You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. And that leads us to part two, which is chapter, starting in chapter 10. And this contains Solomon's various Proverbs. And when you think of the book of Proverbs, for the most part, this is the portion of the book that you are going to be thinking about. You're going to be thinking about short, compact statements that teach an important lesson. One person said it this way, a proverb is a short sentence drawn from long experience. Now, there's no way I can dive deep into this book when you realize that pretty much every proverb stands alone. So it's not like preaching through, what, 31 chapters. It's like preaching through 850 different statements of truth, uh, which is uh, incredible. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to give different ways to understand how a proverb can be deciphered. And I'm going to pray that this whets your appetite for your own study. Now, how many of you read a proverb of a day? You wake up in the morning, and depending on the date, I encourage you to do that. Along with your own Bible study, every day that you wake up, so tomorrow's the 5th, read Proverbs 5. And then on the 6th, there's 31 Proverbs 31 days in the month, I encourage you to do that. Um, it's an incredible way to get through the Proverbs every single month. Uh, but I'm wanting to whet your appetite for your own study. Have you ever heard, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, but if you teach a man to fish, you can feed him for a lifetime. I'm going to try to teach you to fish tonight. When you first approach a proverb, the most important thing is to know where it begins and where it ends. That's the first thing. Now, for the most part, a proverb is only going to be one verse long, especially in Proverbs 10 through 22. It's really going to be only one verse. However, even though there are only one verses, uh, or one verse each, watch for certain things. And if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write these down. Watch for separate proverbs that speak about the same topic. They're proverbs that can stand alone, but they complement each other. For instance, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 18. And we're going to be all around Proverbs, so have your fingers nimble and ready to go. Proverbs chapter 18, and we're going to read verse 6. Are we there? Proverbs 18, 6. A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calleth for strokes. Look at verse 7. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. In verse 6, you have a fool's lips, and then the second statement is about his mouth. In verse 7, you have a fool's mouth, and then the second statement is about his lips. Separate Proverbs, same topic. And before you think, oh, the Bible is just saying the same thing over again for emphasis, no. Verse 6 is talking about a fool's mouth getting him into outward trouble. It's going to be contention and calling for calling for strokes, right? Verse 7 is talking about his inward problem. It's going to be his destruction. It is going to be a snare unto his soul. 
separate Proverbs, they can stand alone, same topic, and they complement each other. How about Proverbs 26? Look there. Proverbs 26. Does that make sense? Yes? Okay, remember, I'm teaching you how to fish. So I'm, right now I'm teaching you how to put the worm on the hook. And I, I want to make sure that we're doing, that we're understanding it so that we can uh, move forward. Proverbs 26. Look in verse 4. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. Verse 5. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. The Bible just contradicted itself. Right? Because it says in verse 4, answer not a fool according to his folly. And it says in verse 5, answer a fool according to his folly. Separate Proverbs, same topic, must be used to complement each other. What is it saying? You can't win. You can't win with a fool. If you answer him not, he's going to be wise in his own conceit. He's going to think everything's good. If you answer him, you're going to be just like him. So what do we learn from that? Don't argue with the fool. Look in, uh, don't, you don't have to turn there, but I believe it's in Proverbs 14, 7. Listen to this. Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. When you're talking to somebody and they want to get into an argument and you realize they're just a fool, nope, sorry, can't win with you. No matter how I did, just do not argue with a fool, move on, Okay. So watch for separate Proverbs that talk about the same topic. Here's another one. Watch for separate Proverbs that continue with the same argument. We won't turn there for sake of time. But I preached a message the other day on having the right perspective. And in Proverbs 15, verse 15, uh, it talks about um, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that hath a merry heart hath a continual feast. So in Proverbs 15, 15, it gives a statement of contrast. You have evil people and affliction, or affliction and evil, and then you have a merry heart and a continual feast. And then in verse 16, it continues with those statements of contrast. Little to great treasure, a dinner of herbs versus a stalled ox. And so you can see those are three separate proverbs, but they all build off of each other. Here's another easy one to watch for. Watch for grammatical cues that show that the thought is continuing. Watch for semicolons at the end of a verse. That shows that it's a continuation of thought. Watch for colons at the end of a verse. Watch for commas at the end of the verse. That thought isn't stopping there, it continues. Watch for verses that begin with transitional words, like for, or but, or so, or and, or then. Uh, look in Proverbs, are you still near Proverbs 24? Let's turn there. I'll give an example of this one. Uh, look in verse 15. Lay not wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Spoil not his resting place. What does the verse end with? A colon. There's a continuation of thought, and we see that in the first word of verse 16. For or because. Why shouldn't the wicked man lay wait? Because 
or four, a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. So watch for those different cues. Once you have determined the beginning of the proverb and the end of the proverb, you need to ask yourself two questions. You want to ask yourself, first of all, what does it mean? And then you need to ask, what does it mean for me? Asking what does it mean, that's knowledge. Asking what does it mean for me, that's wisdom. Many proverbs are very easy to understand, but we have to take the extra step to then apply it. Apply it to our lives so that we can learn from it and that we can benefit from it. And a lot of Proverbs are easy to understand and apply if we would take the extra step to do it. But I will be honest, some are not easy at all. And we have to remember that many of these were written by the wisest man in the history of mankind. They are, this is a book meant to be studied, not just read. It's a book meant to be pondered and meditated upon, not just skimmed over. Because remember, wisdom is not hidden. Wisdom cries out to us in the Bible. However, we are still supposed to seek for her as hid treasure. We, are, we, we need to do some digging. And the more we dig, the more we find. And there are some simple aspects of the book of Proverbs that can help shed some great light on Proverbs that seem dark at first. So we're going to do an exercise right here. We're going to have some homework, but we'll do it in class. That's the best homework. Turn to Proverbs chapter 10. Is anybody warm? No? No, not at all? Find, if you're warm, find someone who's cold and switch places. But uh, it, it is a little warm up here. Um, Brother Rusty, could we get the uh, AC going down? Proverbs chapter 10. Now, I am going to be asking for your help. So please do not, do not feel embarrassed. We did this with our Sunday school class last week. So if you were in our Sunday school class, I ask that you kind of stay in the background here. But I want to make sure that it's making sense for other people as well. So look in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 6. Let's read it together. Are we ready? Blessings are upon the head of the just, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. There's a period, it begins in verse 6, ends in verse 6. What does it mean? Will somebody be willing to tell me what, it, what does it mean? Blessings are upon the head of the just, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. What is the first statement talking about? Blessings are upon the head of the just. What was that? Well, yes, blessings are upon the head of the just, but, but what does it mean? Yes, honey. If you live justly, you'll have blessings. Do we agree with that? I would agree with that. Again, simple, simple. What's the second statement mean? But violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. Yes, now this one is a little more difficult. There's a word, there's a word in this verse that's, that's difficult to decipher because it can mean one or two different things. What word is it that gives us problems? What was it? Covereth. What does covereth mean? Because covereth could mean one or two different things. It could either mean um, like as concealing something or enveloping something, as in I covered my mouth with my hands. Or it could mean things everywhere, like the ground is covered 
in ants. Well, which one does it mean? Is violence covering the mouth of the wicked? Is violence silencing the mouth of the wicked, like a hand covering his mouth? Or is violence all that they speak of? Therefore, their speech is full or covered with violence. Which one does it mean? Okay, and there's an easy way to determine, and it's by, it's the key to answering this is noticing the structure of this proverb. This proverb is a proverb of contrast. So many of us just said it's talking about violence being all that they speak of. Let's notice here that this proverb is a proverb of contrast. It begins with one statement, followed by the conjunction but, and then the statement that follows is the opposite. And by the way, Proverbs 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 28, and 29 are pretty much all Proverbs of contrast. Look in Proverbs 10. Look at pretty much how every single verse is structured. A statement, but, another statement. Look at, the, look at another one. A statement, but, another statement. Look in chapter 13. See the pattern? Keep going all the way through. 10 through 15, 28, and 29, pretty much all Proverbs of contrast. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 10. So looking at the contrast in this proverb can help shed light on the meaning. So the first phrase is obviously talking about how the just will be rewarded with blessings. Blessings are upon the head of the just. Therefore, the phrase, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked, must be talking about the wicked's reward in contrast to the just man's reward. Does that make sense? In other words, the just will be rewarded with blessings, but the wicked will be rewarded with violence. Blessings are upon the head of the just like a crown, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked like a mask or like a muzzle. Does that make sense? So now we know what it means. Look in verse 11. Let's read that one together. Are we ready? The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. Two separate proverbs. They use the same phrase. So, Let's do the same concept here, okay? We have a proverb of contrast. In verse 11, what is the first phrase talking about? The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. It's talking about what a righteous man says, righteous man's words. Therefore, the second part must be talking about the wicked man's words. So the righteous man will speak life-giving words, but the wicked man will speak violence or words that only bring harm. Now put the two proverbs together, and they make even more sense. The righteous or the just will be blessed because they speak with kindness, or they spe their words are a well of life. 
But the wicked man who only speaks to harm with his words will one day be silenced by the same violence that he sought to inflict upon other people. So that's what it means. What does it mean for us? Our words matter. Our words can either help or they can hurt. And our words are either going to come back to crown us with blessings or to cover our mouths with violence. And listen to Proverbs 13 too. Listen to this. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressor, transgressors shall eat violence. So if you reap what you sow, don't sow what you don't want to eat. Choose your words very carefully. And isn't that the fear of the Lord? Understanding that what we say, God hears. Every idle word, every earthly word will bring a divine consequence upon them. And isn't the fear of the Lord the beginning of wisdom? That's, and you're going to find these valuable lessons all throughout Proverbs. You're going to learn from wise men's teachings. Just We're going to kind of give these quickly here. Just listen to these. We'll learn from wise men's teachings. Proverbs 11.27 says, He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor, but he that seeketh mischief, it shall come to him. What is that saying? If you spend your day seeking good, you'll find it. You spend your day seeking mischief, you'll find that too. That's what it means. What does it mean for us? Search for the right things. Now you are wondering what in the world this and this is. This is one of my spare socks from my desk. It is clean. And uh, this is a soft ball just in case what I'm about to do goes wrong. <clears throat> so, I love this proverb. It's probably one of my favorite proverbs. Proverbs 26.8. Go ahead and turn there. Go ahead and turn there. You're, you're curious. Let's go ahead. And we have time. Proverbs 26.8. You don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Listen to what this, this proverb says. Proverbs 26, 8. As he that bindeth a stone in a sling, so is he that giveth honor to a fool. Now, I don't have a sling, but I want you to imagine what a sling looked like. It had the two, uh, you know, little straps, and then it had that pouch at the bottom. And shepherds would have that, and almost like keeping around in the chamber, they would keep a little stone in their sling so that whenever something came up, they could Imagine taking that same stone and tying it in the sling so that it was caught in the pouch. And apparently, shepherd boys used to do this to one another, like as a prank. They would go up and they would tie the stone in to somebody else's sling so that if something came up, okay, so this is not coming out, hopefully. The Bible says, as he that bindeth the stone is a sling, so is he that giveth honor to a fool. What happens when you go to sling a stone out of a sling, but it's caught in there? (laughs) 
So can you imagine, you know, trying to get some, <laughs> and the person knocking himself right in, the, right in the middle of the head. So what is this proverb teaching you? You give honor to a fool, it's going to come back to bite you every single time. I love that proverb. So this is probably the only reason you came tonight, and now I stretch my sock, but I just, I honestly was laughing my head off when I saw that. For those of you on the podcast, and this is only audio, I'm sorry, you, you'll have to just visualize what just happened. So you'll learn from a wise man's teachings. You'll learn from a fool's mistake. Don't give honor to a fool. It's like binding a stone in a sling. You'll see contrasts of wise decisions and foolish decisions. A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. You'll see common language used in order to teach a lesson. A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. When people would go to a market and they would want to buy some produce, they would put it on the scales. And what these grocers had, what these um, traders in the market had, is they had these little weights. Or they had a balance. And what people were doing is they were tipping the scales um, what's that? It's a famous, famous drawing of one where you see the grocer on one side and he's putting his finger down and then you see an old lady on the other side and she's putting her finger up, right? But another thing that they would do is they had these little weights and they would put the weights on the balances and try to figure out exactly what weight it was. Well, what these traders were doing is they would take a weight that was five grams and they would label it something else. So that when these people were putting on the produce, they would say, oh, it actually weighs that much when it wasn't that at all. So what does the Lord say? Be real. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't advertise yourself as one thing when you are actually something else. Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. Just be honest with people. Um, don't say that we're one thing when we are another just so that we can obtain something from somebody else or take advantage of somebody else. Now, these short, concise proverbs really continue from the beginning of chapter 10 all the way up to 20, chapter 22, verse 16. And then you're going to see a transition. You'll see a transition to um, longer discourses on more general topics like justice and choosing your friends or finances or gluttony or greed or envy, parenting, drinking, withholding good from others, perseverance even in failure, preparation and planning. In 25, we see another transition back to the short specific Proverbs, uh, and it follows the same pattern as before in chapter 10 through 22. So I hope that that whetted your appetite, but that leads us up to part three, which is chapter 30 and 31. Now chapter 30 is written by Agur, Chapter 31 is written by Lemuel, or if you really want to be specific, you can even say it was his mother who gave him these teachings, and he's the one who wrote them down. But it's interesting, if you look there, in both of the first verses of chapter 30 and 31, both of these chapters are referred to as prophecy. Now, prophecy is not necessarily a foretelling of future events, Prophecy in its basic form is a message from God to man. And in chapter 30, Agur opens up his prophecy with three clear objectives. We're going to go ahead and read uh, these verses here. But his first objective is to abase himself, to humble himself. Look at verse 2. Surely I am more brutish than any man. What does brutish mean? It means stupid. I am more brutish than any man 
and have not the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom nor have the knowledge of the holy. So in a book of wisdom, that seems like an interesting way to start off your discourse. But what he's saying is this is not my wisdom. I know nothing. His second objective is to exalt God. And this is an incredible verse, and we're going to keep it in our pocket, and we're going to come back to it. Look at verse 4. Who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fists? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name, if thou canst tell? The last thing he wants to do, the last objective, is to assure us of God's word. Look in verse 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. I am nobody. This is God's message to me. So how dare we add to it? And then he starts to give his discourse. After a short prayer in verse six, uh, 7 through 9, he begins to write down his message. And some of his Proverbs can stand alone, but most of them are given in groups of four. Verse 11 through 14 is a group of four generations. One generation is a generation of disrespect in verse 11. Verse 12, a generation of hypocr hypocrisy. Verse 13, a generation of pride. Verse 14, a generation of cruelty. Verse 15 and 16 are four things that are never satisfied. The grave, the barren womb, a dry earth, and fire. Makes sense. Verse 18 through 19, he gives four mysterious ways. He's basically saying, I do not understand how these work. Verse, uh, the first one, he says, is an eagle in the air. Have you ever watched a bird flying just effortlessly and thought, how how? How does that happen? How is that possible? Well, that's what he's saying. A serpent upon a rock has no legs. How does it move? A ship in the midst of a sea. You see these barges that are going out from the port of Corpus Christi. It's, it's made of metal and it's floating. How's that possible? But then you talk about how... Um, Sailboats back then, how if you put the sail just right, you can sail into the wind. And how it floats and just rocks back and forth, how does that work? And then the last one, the way of a man with a maid. I don't understand the whole love thing. How does love work? I don't understand that. He contrasts that then in verse 20 to an adulterous woman or a, um, yeah, an adulterous woman who lives in lust rather than love. In verse 21 through 23, he talks about four things that, where the earth is disquieted, four things that cause great anxiety. A servant who reigns, a fool filled with meat, an odious, that means an extremely unpleasant and repulsive, yet married woman. It says that causes great anxiety to the earth. And he says, and a handmaid who is heir to her mistress. That's just not, that's, that's out of place. Verse 24 through 40, uh, 28, four small things that are exceeding wise, things that are worth following. You can go to the ant, right? The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. 
So he talks about the ants because of their preparation, the conies because of their protection, the locusts because of their unity, and the spider because of its perseverance. He's talking about nature, he's talking about sailing, he's talking about love and all these different things. He seems to be all over the place, but he's given them in groups of four. And his last one is verse 29 through 31. Four things comely in going. First, four things that are just kind of fun to watch. A lion, because of its boldness. A greyhound, because of its swiftness. A he-goat, because of its leadership. And a king, because of his authority. So at the start of Proverbs 30, you have somebody who says, I know nothing. By the end, he seems to know a lot. I mean, he's talking about deep lessons, deep questions, uh, keen observations about things that many people overlook. I just walk right past ants. I don't... A lot of times, yeah, I see an eagle flying. Oh, that's cool. But he was so enraptured into it but at the beginning, he's saying, I know nothing. But hang on, what did we learn from the book of Job? No matter how much we may know, in the grand scheme of things, we know nothing. Now, what do we learn in the book of Proverbs? Let me ask you this. Who is more wise than he who is aware of his own ignorance and therefore humbly turns to God and wholly relies on his word? Who is more wise? Is that not the fear of the Lord? Who is more wise than somebody who sees God everywhere? Agur saw God everywhere. He saw him in nature. He saw him in human behavior. He saw him in things that he didn't understand. He saw him in things that amazed him. He saw him in things that bothered him. He saw him in things that were good. He saw him in things that were evil. To Agur, everything that was going on was God speaking. All of them were wisdom crying without. Learn from me. The question is, are we listening? Like he was listening. Chapter 31, written by a man named Lemuel. The word Lemuel, the name Lemuel means belonging to God. We don't know exactly who this man was. It could either be a non-Israelite king, or many people believe it was a nickname given from Bathsheba to Solomon. And there's some interesting, it's interesting to think of it that way. And I'll show you why. It gives an introduction in verse 1. And his mother asked this question, what can I say? What, my son, and what the son of my womb, and what the son of my vows? Verse 3, don't give your strength to women. Lemuel is a king. He says, don't give your strength to women. It will ruin your kingdom. Verse 4 through 7, don't drink you'll ruin your kingdom. Verse 8 and 9, don't forget to defend the defenseless. Now think about this for a second. If Lemuel is Solomon, then he didn't listen to his mama. Second of all, if his mother is Bathsheba, then her lesson to Solomon is heartbreaking to think about. Because think of Bathsheba's story. And she tells her son, son, do not give your strength to women. Don't make the mistake that your father did. It will ruin your kingdom. And didn't it? How about the next one? Don't drink. It will ruin your kingdom. Do you remember what David did when he called Uriah back from the battlefront? They got drunk. 
because David was trying to cover his sin. Bathsheba says, don't do that. And then David sends Uriah with a message that he does not know about to the front of the hottest battle. She says, son, defend the defenseless. Speak for the dumb. That's a powerful lesson. And then she goes on to talk about the virtuous woman. Here's what to look for in a wife. This woman is a woman of action. 22 separate action verbs in those words. And what is wisdom? Wisdom is action based in biblical understanding. And it ends in verse 29 through 31 talking about a virtuous woman who fears the Lord will be praised and blessed. It doesn't matter what you look like. It matters what you live like. And that is the question of the whole book of Proverbs. How are we supposed to live here? And the answer is live by wisdom. Don't be a simple person who doesn't know right from wrong because of youth or ignorance. Proverbs teaches us you don't have to live that way. Wisdom crieth without. We can find her. We don't have to be simple. How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? Don't be a fool who knows what is right but chooses to ignore it. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And Proverbs teaches us that is a slippery slope to live on. As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. Don't be a scorner who ignores what's right and then tempts others to join you. Proverbs teaches us we are like that strange woman who lies in wait at every corner wanting to lead other people in our way instead of following God. No, live by wisdom. Not of man, but of God. Fear the Lord, listen to his word, apply it to your life. Is wisdom really that important? Yes, wisdom is the principal thing. But why? And we could easily say, because God said so. Okay, but why did God say so? Why is it so important? Why is the application of biblical truth, why is living our lives by biblical truth, why is making right decisions based on biblical truth so important? And as with every other book, if you're ever caught wondering why it is written, find Jesus. Somewhere tonight in a verse that we read, Jesus was there. Do you remember? It was actually in Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30, verse 4. Yes. Answer these questions for me. Who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Okay, now let's say God, right? God. Answer this one. Who hath gathered the wind in his fists? God. Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? You could say Jehovah, I am. And what is his son's name? <laughs> now listen. The ancients didn't know his name. But in the book of Proverbs, they saw his character. It's a sad thing. If Jesus walked into many churches, we wouldn't know him. 
because we don't know his character. They didn't know his name, but they saw his character. But we know who he is now. His name is Jesus. He's the Savior of man, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, the Redeemer, the crucified one. He's the one who sits at the right hand of the throne of God and makes intercession for us. We know who he is, but wait a minute. Do we know him? I know who the president is, but I don't know him. I know who my wife is. But every day, I want to get to know her more. I want to learn more about her so that we can grow closer to each other. I want to find things that divide and separate us so that we can remove them so nothing hinders our love for each other. Now, I'm glad that I know who Jesus is. But every day, I want to know him more. I want to grow closer to him. I wish to be more like him him. I want to act as he would act. I want to react as he would react. I want to live this life in a way that is pleasing to him. Now, every day we are going to face multiple situations. Some of them are good and helpful. Some of them are bad and complicated. But here's what we're told. All things, whether good or bad, Work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. What is the good that can come out of every situation? For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So think about this with me. God has your entire life planned. He has it all predestinated. He knows what situations you'll face tonight. He knows the situations you'll face tomorrow, this week, next week, 20 years from now, but you don't. You do not know those things. Some of those situations are good. Some are not so good. But each situation brings a decision. And we need wisdom in order to make the right decision because without wisdom, the situations that are meant to make us more like him will instead drive us further away. With wisdom, every situation, every day that passes, every decision that we make can be used of God to bring us closer, to bring us more like him. Do you want to be more like Jesus in your parenting? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Do you want to be more like Jesus in your marriage? Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Husbands and ladies, be virtuous, not contentious. Do you want to be more like Jesus in your finances? Don't be surety for somebody else. Have a bountiful eye, Proverbs teaches. Do you want to be more like Jesus in your conversation? Proverbs 13, 3, he that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. But whoso openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Do you want to be more like Jesus in your thought life? Proverbs says even the thought of foolishness is sin. In life's dark maze of inquiry, 
where choices knock relentlessly. Give me wisdom, Lord, to be just a little more like Thee. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.